Um, so the next day I tried to do it at social engineer with the police officers. I was like, uh, acted like I lost tours. So I was like, hey man, listen, um, I, I, I'm lost. Where, where Central Park is it that way? And just trying to get really close to them because I was like, security guards badges will have access to every single floor. They're probably high privilege. So I was like, all right, let's see if we can get this. Again, we got it. Try again the next day. And again, we couldn't get in. So what ended up happening was that floor was blocked off. Um, we felt we figured that that floor was blocked up, and this is nerve-wracking, right? Because when you get in the building, you're walking in at 11 at night, and there's security guards in the lobby, and you gotta act again like you belong there, because otherwise these dudes will spot you, and you'll get thrown in jail for a night while they verify that you're supposed to be there, that you were hired. Like you're gonna spend the night in jail, which we did not want. So I got to the reception. The receptionist was really nice. Um, and she's like, hi, I was looking for a way to avoid her and couldn't. So I went straight up to her and like, hi, my name is, you know, Dave Vargas. I'm here to do a, uh, I'm an auditor from Oracle. I'm here to do um, some audits on your systems. Uh, where can I set up? And she was kind of thrown off. Um, and she's like, oh, uh, I was like, do you have any conference rooms where I can plug in? She's like, yeah, yeah. And she brought me to this conference room and, and let me plug in. So obviously at the beginning she was hesitant mm. but then that's when you keep reinforcing the relationship you know start making jokes and start making it if you're comfortable with it mm. uh, and in general you know it's all about getting them to feel comfortable mm. so this was an over three days and uh, the first day was the hardest obviously because they don't know me enough to start building a relationship so whenever i was stepping out for lunch i'd be like hey listen i'm gonna go for lunch is there a problem do i need to look for you when i get back or anything she's like, i don't know it's fine blah 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 anyways by the third day this happened she actually came in she was giving me like uh she was bringing me tea she was bringing me coffee <laughs> um and she actually i felt so bad man because she actually came in once and she was like uh, oh, I gotta get you, I gotta give you this pass, otherwise I'm gonna get in trouble as a visitor's pass. Now, the funny thing is, she never registered me as a visitor. So, after the whole engagement, we were doing the post-mortem, the, they looked at the log, they looked at everything, but nothing happened. Like, they, there was no record of it being in the building. Welcome to another episode of Couple of Lattes. As always, I'm your host, Jacques Massey, and I've got a bit of a question for you this morning. I want to know if you've ever been hacked before, if you've ever been scammed, if you've ever had any money or identity stolen from you. Uh, chances are you have, even if you think you haven't, uh, because we do live in the world of the internet and almost anything is possible when you are a professional or an underground hacker. Today's guest is a professional computer hacker, and I'm also proud to call him one of my best friends. Um, so today we're gonna to be talking about what it is like to be a professional computer hacker. Um, and honestly, I think it's the closest thing to being um, a spy that, that I know anyway. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to have today's guest on the show. Uh, as always, if you are listening on Apple Podcast, if you can leave a five-star rating, if you enjoy it, obviously, uh, and also leave a review, it'll be hugely helpful and it'll get the podcast out to more people. And for anyone who's watching on YouTube, how's it going? For anyone who doesn't know, we do now stream the podcast on YouTube. So if you want to see the faces behind the voices, or you want to be a little bit more involved with the discussion, you can go subscribe to Couple Alates on YouTube. That's C-O-U-P-L-E space A space Lattes, L-A-T-T-E-S. But enough of me rambling on, let's get into this discussion with my good friend, David. By the way, funny and 
what do you think? So this is um, you know, since you're editing this stuff, I can't I can't really uh, maybe I'll be able to talk about it. Yeah, as long as I don't mention how it works, I should be able to talk about it. But I'm I'm gonna be working for Zoom. Um, and then <laughs> oh shit, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, and with the link you sent me, there's a bug in that link. Okay, so I don't recognize that Colombian accented voice. Who is that? Hey guys, my name is David. Um, I'm a security consultant, also known as a penetration tester or a white hat hacker. There's a vulnerability no in that. Yeah. <laughs> when you sent me the link, I was like, no fucking way. And then, yeah, it's there. I was like, huh. All right, then. <laughs> I got to I gotta think about this next time. When I, when I start working, I'm like, found something, guys. Yeah, because I heard, because they scaled so fast, like they just grew exponentially when COVID hit. They're they just couldn't fix all the bugs and shit. Nah, man, their security is crap. Um, their security is absolute. They keep getting hacked. Actually, the, so the, the bug I just found was in relation to the prevention of getting hugged. So basically, there's a password for the meeting because before there wasn't any password, right? You could join mm. without a password, mm. um, which means people were bombing, were trolling Zoom meetings and just kind of getting in and doing whatever the hell they wanted. So now they added a password, but what they did with the password, did you set a password for this meeting or was it default out of curiosity? No, I just sent a link. It's just default. Okay, so they're randomizing a password and sending it. But basically, uh, without getting into the technicalities of it, they sent the password in plain text that's now being logged on their servers. So now basically they're saving the passwords in plain text, which is a big no-no in security because if somebody breaches you, now you have passwords for a bunch of meetings. So that was pretty interesting. When you sent me the link, I was like, fuck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. I've never used Zoom, man, so it's pretty pretty funny. Well, there you go. Maybe we're getting hacked right now. Maybe you're hacking me right now, you dodgy fucking bastard you are aren't you maybe that's <laughs> I, you know i can't, can't say but you know what's you know what's kind of cool about this chat this is actually one of the reasons i really like doing podcasts with mates is because uh there's not that kind of like ice to break at the start it kind of just like you already know each other whereas when i do podcasts yeah. with people i've never met before it's always like and i'm getting into deep shit right like in terms of like i'm asking them really deep stuff and they're like Bro, I don't even know you. And I'm just like, yeah, but tell me. <laughs> <laughs> like, spill the beans, bro. Mate, uh, I'm just going to kick off and say, I kind of know. But for anyone listening right now, how the fuck did you end up becoming a professional computer hacker? <laughs> so funny when you say it that way, man. It's like so <laughs> surreal. Um, basically, man, when I was about 14... Uh, 13, 14, there was this thing called MSN. I'm sure you remember it. Oh, yeah. MSN Messenger. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, teenage years, you have, you know, you're going through, you have crushes and puberty and blah, 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 a lot of hormones raging, whatever the fuck. Mm. So, um, basically, I was, I think it was, it probably had to do with a girl. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but basically, <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to, like, um maybe it was a friend i don't know i want to hack somebody yeah uh, i want to hack somebody's account and get into their msn and see their message history and all that stuff so i started learning so i started googling how to hack msn mm. um and basically that was the start of a very long road down uh been on it for 16 years man i'm still learning new stuff mm. um and what was cool about it man it's 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 you know i, I talked to other friends that how they got started and it's you know it's kind of the same in the sense that we all start from ground zero we all start from where you're starting from um paulo you know people that barely know how to turn on the computer 
but for anyone listening my brother's name is Paolo and basically Paolo if you're listening to this David just said you can't turn on a computer (laughs) you are really bad but whatever you know what I mean (laughs) yeah yeah um and basically, yeah, man, it, it just starts, and we start with, like, very, because you don't know any networking principles, you don't know anything about anything, really, when you start, like, in terms of security, how to breach a system, you're just Googling how to hack. Mm. Um, so people take advantage of that, and people are like, oh, yeah, download this program that's going to make you a super cool hacker for Windows. And people don't know how to use Linux, so you're always trying, oh, I want to hack from Windows. Um, and you just end up putting so many viruses on your computer, man, I can't, I can't tell you. Part of the reason I... I, I learned a lot was because I kept breaking my computer. <laughs> I kept installing weird stuff and breaking it, so I had to learn how to fix it. Yeah, no shit. Um, did you did you ever hmm? did you ever did you ever get hacked learning how to hack? Like, did you ever click on a link that was like a hacker trying to hack you while you were learning to hack? <laughs> I would say most likely, man, definitely. Because so basically, there are these things called Trojans. So I'm not sure if you're you're familiar with them. A Trojan ed, ed, horse. Edu- educate educate me because I actually don't know. Cool. All right, so a Trojan is basically a piece of malware where it works as a client and a server. So you send the server to your victim, uh, disguised as a PDF, as uh, whatever it is. Um, and when they open it, it's actually a program that executes. And what the victim sees typically is a pro, uh, an error that says, oh, you know, something crashed. You can't access it. Mm. So the victim says, oh, you know, something's wrong with the download, whatever. Or there, there's other ways to get it. You can inject it into other programs. There's Which is why you never download random prior pirated software because somebody could have manipulated the code um anyway so once the victim runs the server the way it works is it connects back to you to the the attacker to the client um and that gives me access to your system that gives me that lets gets me in the network gets me access does all this stuff um and there was some popular stuff back then there was a particular one i remember called sub seven and you can download this stuff from the internet, right? If you go into the right forums, you could get in and, and download all these programs. And then, so I remember, um, I wanted to play with it. I wanted to see how it worked. And, and so I would run this thing and be like, run the server and then try to get my friends to connect to me. Mm. And I'd be like, oh yeah, this is my IP address. With like doing some very noobish stuff in terms of networking, like I didn't understand. So obviously it never worked. Um, until I did some stuff that got it to work. And then my friend got on my computer and I was like, oh yeah, that's so cool. But what he didn't realize is just like I opened the door for him, I opened the door for anybody else that knew where to look. Like anybody (laughs) in the world was able to connect to my computer at the time. Um, So definitely, man. Um, Yeah, I I, I don't remember, but definitely. Actually, Melbourne. In Melbourne, uh, in the office, when I'd go to work, like me and my friends, it was like a war zone, dude. Like if you left your computer on, like we'd all just like it came on, like everybody would just try to own everybody all the time. Uh, <laughs> the first building, dude, we ended up hacking the elevators. We ended up hacking like uh, when we get bored, just hacking like whatever system we could find on the network, which was pretty interesting. You hack um, the elevators. But, How the fuck do you hack well, out? Does that mean you can stop someone while they're in the elevator? No, 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 no. So, okay, hacking in the traditional sense of the word, no. But basically what we did is um, we followed the, it was either a security guard or a maintenance guard. Somebody that had codes to the building, mm. uh, to the elevator, because you know the elevators work with a special sequence code. Um, so somebody put in a code, we got it, 
which allowed us to block the elevator and basically to everybody else and just use the elevator privately. But then because <laughs> of the sequence of the code, let's say the code was like 2233, for example. So then we're like, okay, maybe 3344 will work. Sure enough, there was a sequence that worked. So we ended up figuring out the entire sequence so we could do whatever we wanted with the elevators. <laughs> that's <laughs> in insane. Yeah, and, and that's that's a big problem, actually, in terms of password security that a lot of people, um, well, we can get into that a bit later, but um, people sure. choose like to make it easy to remember a sequence or some sort of related um, information yeah. that if I figure out one piece and I know enough about you, then it's easy for me to kind of figure out the rest. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. We yeah, we can we can get into some of that later, like you said. But I guess uh, the thing I'm intrigued about, and I, I think I've asked you this before. I can't remember what your answer was, but like, when when did you actually figure out, like, okay, I can make money and become a professional computer hacker, or was it like you see in the movies where you were like, you were being that you know shady dude on the internet who was hacking people and kind of like scamming money and like all that kind of like stuff you see in the movies and then someone was like yo i'm with the cia like come work for me or like some shit like that <laughs> so kind of a bit of both actually uh, <laughs> no way <laughs> yeah um so the first job offer i got was a result of a an illegal hack i guess you could say but i reported it to the company mm. um all right so the, the reason I realized this, so first, I think I, told you I was studying chemistry, right? I was studying nanotechnology. Like, I wanted to get into the PhD route and, and do a lot of research on that. <clears throat> and I remember there was a lecture. This was, this was around 2013, probably, 2012, 2013. And there was a lecture, one of my professors said, um, that was basically saying, I hope you get into this because you love science, but not so much because of the money. And I remember in my head, I was like, hmm, okay, that's going to be an issue. <laughs> um, and that was right around the same time that Anonymous was, became, you know, those in the headlines that Anonymous was hacking this, Anonymous was hacking that. So hacking started becoming, it went from being like an underground thing to started to become more mainstream. Now, yeah, was, it's the news that reporting more on it. What, what was Anonymous? Just for anyone listening who, who might not know what Anonymous was. Anonymous is a collective. So a lot of people think it was a group. Uh, there are offspin groups of it. So Lulzak probably being the more famous one of them. But it's basically a collective of mentality um, of... Um, it's a headless organization of hackers, basically, that um, they attack companies based on political motives. Originally, originally, that's what they did. Originally, they were badass dudes. Like the Lulzsec guys were really, really good. Um, now, whenever you see something from Anonymous, there's, it's just a bunch of what we call script kiddies. So people that have no technical ability just take dots in websites, taking down websites and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, Anonymous was just more like a hacktivism is what it's called, group yeah, uh, right. that acted on political yeah. principles. Um, anyway, so yeah, man, at this time, Anonymous was becoming famous and, um, this was, you know, I, I was hacking quite a bit more at the time. Um, and yeah, yeah, I started seeing job offers and stuff and, and realized that you could make a very good living, um, legally hacking. Um, I was never one to do any scamming. So back then so when i was learning right now you have labs and you have a lot of resources at your disposal if you want to learn mm. back then there was still kind of underground so there was none of that so if you wanted to learn how to hack you learn by hacking mm. so you pick random companies on the internet and you start owning them um and the one <laughs> so crazy hacks, 
Just yeah. the way you say that, you pick random companies on the internet and you just start owning them. <laughs> Man, I was all, I was talking to a friend. I was telling me he, well, him and his buddies got access to a supercomputer of a university in Mexico. That oh, like, shit. yeah, whenever they needed to do anything, they just like connected to the supercomputer and just like did whatever they wanted. I was like, that's sick. But that's <laughs> that's how it goes. You usually just hack random things. Anyway, so around this time, I had a friend. Um, I have a friend that was doing. Um, he had a business and he needed information about his competitors. So he was like, hey, man, can you help me out with this? I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, I wasn't charging any money or anything. It was just like, again, hacking to me has always just been a passion, just kind of the love of it. Mm. So I got into this, blah, blah, blah. Got him information. And during while I was doing this, I was like, okay, hacking this was pretty easy. Let me look at more intricate stuff. So I started looking at one of the banks in Canada. <laughs> and I started with the mobile applications. And this, I remember it so well, man. I was in my room at like three, four in the morning kind of thing. Um, and okay, so basically what I was attacking was the money transfer feature. So in Canada, there's something where you can email people money. Mm. And so I sent you, Jacques, an email with a certain amount. And then you click on a link. You... Um, answer a question and then it gets deposited into your account mm. so in my head i was like okay if there i wonder if there's a way to compromise that process and this way that if i if i can tell you hey Jacques, can you let me borrow 10 bucks and then when you send me those 10 bucks if there's a way for me to actually drain your account like take everything else i have uh, you have in there so i started thinking about this and i okay cool I started looking into it. So we do this by proxying. So let's on your the applications on your phone, we route the traffic from your phone through a computer, and then we look at, at their web requests being made in the back end and, and kind of see what, what we can play with. And so with web requests, when something goes through, when everything works, when you visit google.com or when anything works, the server responds with a 200, the number 200, okay. Mm -hmm. okay and sometimes you get a 404 not found 403 denied like you get all these codes but 200 okay is what you're looking for mm. and sure enough man i remember it was i was like oh i wonder what happens if i do this it was like three in the morning i remember hitting go and then i get a 200 re reply on the server and i was like why like i remember <laughs> i got so excited to do it adrenaline like i was about to fall asleep i was one of those things where I was like, oh, i'm just gonna try this one more click before i go to bed 200 okay. I was like, holy crap, like this is sick. So I logged into the bank. I was using my bank account, my grandparents' bank account, um, to test it, to test my mm. theories at the time. And I logged in, sure enough, man, I was able basically to repeat. So it's called a replay attack. So you're able to repeat uh, so a request and drain all the money out of the target's account. So this actually came became very interesting because I was thinking of an attack scenario. This can actually be abused. Let's say if you're at a Starbucks, well, I could probably use that. Mm. Um, but this this came later when my boss started paying me, like uh, in Whistler, one of my bosses paid me via via that via email transfer, and I was like, I just thought back, I was like, oh man, this is so funny, I could have, like drain the bank account with that. Anyways, so um, fast forward, so I called, so because I wasn't doing this to be malicious, I was just doing it out of curiosity. I wasn't hiding, I wasn't doing anything. Like the, the bank could see who I was, so I contacted the security team the next day, and I said, hey guys, listen, I found this bug. Um, and this is how you exploit it. This is what you do. And then they're like, cool, thanks for the report, blah, blah, blah. Um, fast forward a few months later, and I had a recruiter from that bank reach out to me, being like, hey, we have this position open. Um, we need you to relocate there. It's open, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that was cool. So that was kind of an example where 
I don't know if it was directly related to that, but it, I just found it funny that this the same bank reached out to me a few months later and was like, "Hey, man, you know, do you basically want this job?" Um, so, so yeah, man. So basically, that was kind of the example of yeah, I was doing dodgy shit online and then ended up with uh, basically a job offer <laughs> from I, that. I suppose with hacking, it kind of makes sense, right? Like your job is to hack so like in order to figure the stuff out first and then tell people hey you should give me a job or like uh i i could help you with this problem you kind of need to fuck with their shit and hack them 100 <laughs> definitely man uh i had a friend in one of the companies i worked for in oz the dude was very he is very very smart um and he got a job for the european space agency yeah, right. and the way he did it he was telling me it was, uh, so he went to the interview, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the interview, the guy asked him, he's like, do you have anything else for me? And the guy was like, yes. Hands him a paper with the guy's passport on it. <laughs> <laughs> the dude was like, what? Like, what happened? So the guy, a few days earlier, had hacked the database, their database, and pulled up all their passwords and found the guy's password and just gave it to him. And when I, when I was telling us to start, obviously he got the job right away. But that's a gamble, right? Because it can go one of two ways. The company can say, holy crap, yeah, you're amazing. Here's the job. Here's money. And companies do that. They're mm. called bounties uh, where, people, where people just hack them and they get some sort of reward. Mm. Or they can go the complete opposite way where they're like, what the hell? That's illegal. I'm suing you. And then you just gave them evidence that you actually did hack them. So it's a big gamble. It depends on the company. It's a big gamble. Um, but it definitely, like, for example, companies like Google, Apple, if you hack their stuff, mm. um, yeah, man, there's a good chance you're going to get a job. And in hacking, if you want a job with one of those companies, that's usually what you do. You find, If you find a critical bug and get into one of their servers or something, mm. um, you either get paid a very, very, very high bounty. Mm. Uh, like, for example, if I can hack an iPhone, Apple will pay me $1.5 million uh, yeah, wow. if I can figure out how to, how to hack it. Or I get a job with them. Or both. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, in hacking, that's how it works, man. You just... Yeah. Now it's it's a little different now, man. Um I think because of the popularity of it, yeah. there's been a lot of college colleges trying to monetize it, right? Trying to take advantage of selling your career in cybersecurity. So there's a lot of cybersecurity graduates now. Um, but the problem with that is, man, the people that are doing it for the money and are trying to get a job that way are competing with dudes that actually do it because they love it, because yeah. they actually enjoy it, but don't do it for the money. They just love, they have a passion for what they do. So, you know, if you want to get into it and you're graduating, you're probably going to have a hard time competing against guys like that. Yeah, right. Um, you, you kind of really need to have a passion for, I, I suppose it's kind of like figuring out puzzles really, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. Um, and I think it applies to anything, man. I mean, if you like something, you, if you're motivated by something other than passion and mm. some other dude does it because they like it, they're probably going to sink more time into it. They're going to be better than you. You're going to have a hard time competing against that. Mm, so mm. I think it, it, it translates to other careers. But yeah, I mean, it's basically just um, puzzles. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, right. And so you you just recently were working for Apple. I think you're still working for them. We were talking about this before, how you're going to be transitioning to working for Zoom, which is pretty funny because we're using Zoom right now. And it sounds like <laughs> you've already spotted a lot of, uh, let's call it problems with uh, with their servers and how they run their systems. But with with Apple, before you mentioned, you were saying that a lot of people will actually hack or like kind of uh, get these bounties in order to try and get jobs. Did you have to do that or did you just kind of move into Apple? 
No, so what I did with Apple was uh, basically, so my company is the same thing I'm doing with Zoomin. Um, the company that I work for uh, does a lot of um, what's called staff augmentations. So they they basically loan us out to different companies. So we rotate through like Google, we rotate through Apple, we rotate through Amazon, Zoom, like all these different things. So in my case, it was just a, a matter of, um, yeah, it just it was an assignment that was given to me for a few months. Yeah, right. So I actually just finished it now, man. I just, today is my last day, which I'm pretty excited about to just move off of that and, and onto more cool stuff. Yeah, sweet. Talking about cool stuff, I want you to talk, uh, you've told me a, a few of your stories, which are like fucking ridiculous. Um, but maybe for anyone listening, they can they can hear what it's like a day in the life of a hacker. So maybe if you could use a story, like one of the ones you told me about climbing over a school roof to jump into a building <laughs> and hack the system and maybe tell, tell yeah, us a couple yeah. of stories that kind of, I guess, document what it's like to be a day in the life of a hacker, like the exciting shit, but then also, you know, some of the boring stuff that goes along with it. Cool. All right. So there's a lot, man. Um, okay. So in hacking, there's different things you can hack. Um, there are web applications, which would be your Google, let's say, or Facebook, right? That's a web application. So you can specialize in web applications. So that's a web app pen test. You can hack networks, which is personally what I like, um, which is what happens if somebody gets in your network somehow. So somebody gets your Wi-Fi password, as simple as that, um, what they can do from that perspective. So network penetration test, there's social engineering, which is manipulating people. So it's hacking people, which mm. I've done some, I can tell you some stories that I feel pretty bad about, man. And I did that. Yeah, there's some engagements that are cool, but in order to achieve your goal, that means somebody's probably gonna get fired because you gotta manipulate somebody into letting you do something you're not supposed to do. Yeah. So those are kind of a little intense, but yeah, the consequences are very high. I took over one of the banks in Australia because of that, like because somebody let me in, believed me, and they were very nice to me. Hold on, you took uh, over one of the banks. Tell the story. You obviously don't need to use the bank's name because I don't want you to get in trouble, but what the fuck? No, man. It was basically, <laughs> so, um, that one was, so it was, it was a bit of everything. So it was a network and social engineering issue. So what the guy hired us to do and what he wanted me to do was see if I could walk in off the street, plug into somewhere in their office and see what damage I could do. To their network, so simulate a real bad guy that wanted to do that, and and attacks like this do happen, man. And that's why uh, there was a, an attack on Barclays in in London a few years ago, where somebody did them. They stole I don't know how many millions of, of pounds um, just by bullshitting their way into the office. But so th that's what the guy wanted to simulate. So in my case, it was cool. So I so with social engineering, one of the principles is you don't ask for permission. You act like you belong there. You don't say, hey, can I do this? You say, I'm here to do this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I walked in one morning into their head office. Uh, I didn't have access key cards to the elevator. So, I, you know, you just wait in the lobby, wait till somebody get in the elevator, wait till somebody goes to the floor, did that, got on the floor, got in the office, tailgating, you know, just follow somebody and then try to get in. So I got to the reception. The receptionist was really nice. Um... And she's like, hi, I was looking for a way to avoid her and put in. So I went straight up to her. I was like, hi, my name is, you know, Dave Vargas. I'm here to do a, uh, I'm an auditor from Oracle. I'm here to do um, some audits on your systems. Uh, where can I set up? And she was kind of thrown off. Um, and she's like, oh, uh, I was like, do you have any conference rooms where I can plug in? 
she's like, yeah, yeah. And she brought me to this conference room and, and let me plug in. So obviously the beginning, she was hesitant, mm. but then that's when you keep reinforcing the relationship, you know, start making jokes and start making it if you're comfortable with you. Mm. Uh, and in general, you know, it's all about getting them to feel comfortable. Mm. So this was in over three days. And uh, the first day was the hardest, obviously, because they don't know me. And after you start building a relationship, so whenever I was stepping up for lunch, I'd be like, hey, listen, I'm going to go for lunch. Is there a problem? Do I need to look for you when I get back or anything? She's like, I don't know. It's fine. Blah, blah, blah. Anyways, by the third day, this happened. She actually came in. She was giving me, like, uh, she was bringing me tea. She was bringing me coffee. <laughs> um, and she actually, I felt so bad, man, because she actually came in once and she was like, uh, oh, I gotta get you. I gotta give you this pass, otherwise I'm gonna get in trouble as a visitor's pass. Now the funny thing is, she never registered me as a visitor. So after the whole engagement, and we were doing the postmortem. The, they looked at the logs. They looked at everything. Nothing happened. Like they, there was no record of me being in the building. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was basically I got in, and there's something we do. So when in a network that's locked down they control what kind of device you can plug into the network um, Mm -hmm. via something called a MAC address. A MAC address is an identifier on every single device that's unique. So you whitelist MAC addresses. So you say these devices are allowed to connect and that's it. So in in an environment that's like that, usually plugging your laptop wouldn't work. You can't just plug into the network. It won't work. But a trick we use very easily is you look at one of the phones that are plugged into the network, mm. look underneath, has the MAC address, and you copy that MAC address, and you clone it onto your computer. So now the network thinks that your computer is a phone. And then you can bypass that check, and, and you connect to the network. And in this particular case, what was so gratifying was that the guy before the meeting told me, he's like, I don't expect you're going to get very far, but just try. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, game on. So I made it. Once I plugged into the network, man, I made it my point to hunt this guy down in the network and own the system because he was a system administrator. I made it a point to own the system by owning him. I was like, all right, you're going to give me the keys to the kingdom. And sure enough, man, like I texted him like on the last day and I was like, okay, um, I got good news. I said, good news for me, bad news for you. Mm. Um, and the guy's like, what happened? He's like, that's it. It's done. Like I got... Like, I got everything. I got your banking servers. I got um, your CEO's emails. I got mm. CFOs. Like, I got everything. The guy's like, what? And he starts, when he, he came looking for me in the office. And he found me with, like, you know, a pot of coffee, like, the visitor's badge. He's like, how'd you get all this? I was like, you receptionist. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, and wow. the reason I felt bad, man, is because this person was being super nice. And I went back six months later, and she wasn't there anymore. So, she got fired. I don't know if she did, but... Maybe, um, <laughs> and it's a, it kind of sucks, man, because it's she was the reason I took over everything, man. Like I took yeah. over, you know, all the systems, which is pretty messed up. Um, so in that, but she was being nice. Yeah, it's crazy so, though, because like what you're describing there could happen so easily, like so easily. And yeah. just just quickly, so you said you got everything. So theoretically, it was a bank. So what could you have done? Could you have drained all the funds? Could you have like leaked? E- private emails to the media like uh yeah all that stuff man so um that's insane usually when i get into a bank i look for the swift servers swift administrator the people that man so swift is a network that moves money right in between bank systems so that's what i target because that's what a bad guy would be after uh, i figure out where the funds are stored how to get money out um so when i say i own everything it's that i had 
the permission, the level of access required to do anything I could have wanted. So I knew where the money was. So I could have, yeah, I could have transferred a billion dollars to an account in Thailand if I wanted to. Yeah. Like it's, it's, when I say everything is, I have access to absolutely every resource in the network. Um, that was one example. Another one that I felt pretty bad about, man, I was that again, from a social engineering perspective, so purely from, from people hacking. Mm. Um, I was actually supposed to start an engagement this week, but I got pushed. Anyways, it was last year. I had to pretend to be, so the, So a lot of companies now use two-factor authentication, right? Yep. So you log in with your password and then you have a number that you have to, to get as well. So, well, there's different ways to do it, but the safest is token-based. Google Authenticator is one, like text authenticator. If For people listening to kind of get a little bit of context, is that correct? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so with this particular one, my job was to get around the two-factor authentication. So I was pretending to be an internet attacker mm. that got compromised somebody's password via whatever. There's a lot of ways we can do that. But if we got somebody's password, I needed to get in the VPN. So VPN just to get access to their network, right, from remotely. That was my end goal. Mm. And the just way quickly, I did it, this was around. Just quickly, yeah. David, for people listening, what is a VPN? Just like really quickly. The VPN is a virtual private network. So basically, let's say um, you are traveling and you want to access documents in your house. Uh, you have a server in your house. The, you would set up a VPN in your house that would allow you to connect from your hotel room across the world to that server in your house. So it looks like you're in your house. All gotcha. your internet connections are routed through your house. Gotcha. People use it to get around like whatever uh, restrictions and stuff like that all around the world as well but that's the simplest example i can give you um so with this particular one it was around christmas and i got some dude's password some random guy's password for the work for the company and sure enough i needed to get around the two-factor authentication to connect to the vpn mm. so i called their tech support I called, hey, listen, man, uh, my name is blah, blah, blah. Um, I need your help. I work in this office. Like, you look it up through LinkedIn. You you, you profile your targets, right? You, there's a lot of information on everybody outside that you can use. And so I called and I convinced tech support. And my story was, um, I was like, hey, man, listen, um, I'm shopping. I'm Christmas shopping. This is December, right? It was really close to Christmas. I remember leveraging that. It's like, hey, listen, man, I, I, I'm out shopping. I was at a Starbucks. I left my phone in the Starbucks. Um, and then when I went back, it's not there anymore. Um, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out because I need to deliver this report before Christmas. Um, and I just lost my phone. I can't get into the VPN because I need my 2FA token, my mm-hmm. two-factor authentication token. So can you help me, man? Can I please reset that? And the guy was kind of hesitant. And eventually I managed to convince him and he's like, yeah, you know, I'll help you out, man. You lost your phone, you're shopping. Like, I want to help you out. I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. And he disabled it. I got him to disable <laughs> the authentication, which then got me access to the network um, to reset That's everything. Insane. So I got him to remove the protections from everything just by pretending to be that story. Mm. Uh, and yeah, so afterwards when I, you know, so it's, you feel good because yes, I did it. But you also feel bad, man, because you're exploiting somebody's good intentions to be able to achieve your goal. Mm. Um, but, I mean, that's what happens, man. That's, uh, that's, that's how bad guys do it. So that's my job to kind of, yeah, show them where their weaknesses are mm. so they can fix them. So I won't steal any money, but the next guy will. 
Yeah. Um, so as bad as it is, it's you know it, it's tough to do it at sometimes, but it's what I get paid for. Yeah, I mean, like there's assholes in the world, unfortunately, and there's people who are maybe just really desperate who you know, they might not have a lot and they've learned how to hack and this is a way that they can make something for themselves and they're going to do whatever it takes. And the system is yep. only as fragile as the people that operate it, right? And just like you're saying, with those two examples, people are fragile because people care. And uh, as as terrible as it is, it's part of your job to, to show them like, it's okay, wonderful. cool. Like you should care, but you should also be mindful of security. Like don't, maybe let this Colombian dude off the street into the, the office and he can take all your money. <laughs> yeah. Mendoza's others. And, and just to finish out when you said the coolest one, I think there's two other hacks that come up to mind. I think the coolest one in my career to date, there's two, but the, the, the main one, I think I would have talked about it. So uh, the, the last part of hacking is called red teaming. Mm. And red teaming is kind of like what everybody that's in my profession wants to do, I think. Because red teaming, is it's own the system however you can. And these are a real red team engagement takes months. Uh, usually our engagements last a couple of weeks or a week or two weeks, whatever. These mm. are can take even a year, man. It's basically a red team engagement, a real red team engagement is where, let's say I want to hack Google. Mm. I would actually get hired by Google. I would apply to be a freaking janitor at Google to get hired so that's my access into the network i would spend time there figuring out how it works and it's just a very 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 long and detailed process to get it somewhere there was a story about some dudes doing a red team on on one of the banks in australia where they rented a helicopter dude to land on the roof to break in through the roof like it's physical security it's social engineering it's network it's everything like it is an insane type of engagement mm -hmm. so i was doing a mini version of this um this was for a hedge fund in uh, new york What's, what's, so, can you say the name of the hedge fund or? No. No, no okay, cool. <laughs> no, <I don't laughs> uh, you just like end up going to jail after recording a podcast yeah, no, on this little podcast not. in Australia? <laughs> um, so anyway, so with my job with this one was we had a week to break in, uh, get in the network. But the break in into the office was challenging. It was a building uh, the first floor, so it's, man, we started scoping this. Uh, we only had a week, by the way, which is very, very short for these types of engagements. Like, you usually get at least a month. We only had a week. Just crazy. So before we even flew to New York, I was talking to my partner we were going to be working with. We were like, all right, when we start researching the building, who owns the building? Who has offices in the building? What floors the office we're targeting? Can we get any other floors? Do they have Wi-Fi? Um, how what's the security of the building what year was it built where are the fire escapes like you start enumerating every single piece of data you can about that building to find a weak spot and from that data we got that the first floor was controlled access to the elevators was controlled by biometrics so we're like crap i was like okay well that's not good uh, how are we gonna like people they would scan your face whatever and grant your access based on that and on top of that the first floor was patrolled by ex ex police officers ex new york city police officers so we're like all right we found a starbucks in the in the bottom of the building so we're like okay cool we can set up shop there once we get there and just watch and see what happens cool so we got the models once we got to new york we got the models of um we got the models of the biometrics readers the the things and mm -hmm. we found out that some were used rfid cards still so rfid, RFID cards, cards are, okay good, good. like the tags that you use to get into a building for example mm -hmm. um to like the key fob they give you um 
the problem with that is that there are different versions of it. Um, passive connections are unencrypted. And when they're unencrypted, the way they work is basically, it's just a coil. Um, it gets to the, the reader. Once you put it close to the reader, the reader is kind of what activates the coil, gives a signal, and then that's what makes it spew its number, and that's what kind of gets, gets you access. That's the, the low security one, by the way. This is There are some high security ones that are encrypted and are much harder to break. But at this point, we didn't know what we were dealing with. Mm. So we're like, okay, we got RFID. Um, that might be interesting. And there are these readers that we built um, that basically are long-range readers. So if I get within six feet off you, I can siphon off your tags without you knowing. So How does that work? Um, so the best example I can give you is, you know when you're going in an overpass, uh, when you're driving, that some cars have those little tags on the windshield and then you go through like a pay toll and it kind of debits it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the same technology. Basically, um, the reader just has a lot of power to kind of activate the coil in the from further away, the coil, and then make it spew off its number. Yeah, wow. Um, so we had so we had these readers. I was like, okay, cool. So and we started looking at people, and the basically the hallway was divided into three spots, and we one of the spots was the one that gave us access to to the office, to so the floor we needed. So what we did is I was like, okay, cool. One of us is going to be the social engineer. One of us is going to be the lookout. So the social engineer was the guy that was trying to siphon off the data while the other one was the lookout. Sure. So I was, I was the social engineer. So what we did is my buddy went outside and he put his headphones in and I was on my headphones, just like we're talking. Right. And he's like, okay, uh, okay. A woman uh, with a brown coat, black bag, just got out of the door. We need, she's going to the Starbucks. Cool. All right. I see her. She's standing in line behind the line. So now I need to get close enough to her to rub my back against her so I can siphon off her stuff. And this process, and whenever we think we got something, then we'd run off to another cafe around the street, go to the bathroom, pull out the SIM card and clone the cards and to make sure that we got access. So this went on for a bit. And the first night we got it. And then, you know, after we cloned the cards and then boom, we verified that we have access to the floor that we need. We're like, yes, okay, tonight. We're doing this tonight because we needed the office to be empty. Obviously we can't do it in the middle of the day. So we went like two in the morning, I think. Mm. Um, and then for whatever reason, it failed. Like this was by Thursday, Tuesday. I think it failed. Like our first attempt failed. We're like, okay, we can't get in. Um, so the next day I tried to do it at Social Engineer with the police officers. I was like, uh, acted like I lost tours. I was like, hey man, listen, um, I, I I'm lost. Where where Central Park is it that way? And just trying to get really close to them because I was like, security guards badges will have access to every single floor. They're probably high privilege. So I was like, all right, let's see if we can get this. Again, we got it. Tried again the next day, and again we couldn't get in. So what ended up happening was that floor was blocked off. Um, we if we figured that that floor was blocked up, and this is nerve wracking, right? Because when you get in the building, you're walking in at eleven at night, and there's security guards on the lobby, and you gotta act again like you belong there, because otherwise these dudes will spot you, and you'll get thrown in jail for a night while they verify that you're supposed to be there, that you were hired, that you're gonna spend the night in jail, which we did not want. Mm. And so uh, it failed, and it the thing is like when it fails, it like beeps it's a very loud beep so first time when it fell then you got to keep your cool it's like oh it's weird it's not working then you just walk out while your heart is about to pound out of your chest <laughs> um, and then i told my buddy i was like listen man we got two days left to this we need to get in tonight like you need to go try i just tried i failed you need to try but try another floor 
we tried another floor shooting off we got we got we got in, so like awesome. We were within Wi-Fi when you try to hack the Wi-Fi. We got the Wi-Fi to get us in the network, uh, but then that wasn't enough. So we're like, okay, uh, how else are we gonna do this? We looked at the fire code for New York City, and it turns out that even though the fire doors are locked, every fourth floor has to be open. Okay, so every fourth floor has to be open for security reasons. Um, so, okay, so what we did is we just took the fire escape, walked up four floors, got into the floor that we needed via that way, and then that put us in the floor. We got through the doors by... Um, so there's a sensor. You know, when you walk out of a door, there's a, a sensor on top of the door that basically unlocks. You probably don't notice it because it's meant to be seamless, but there's basically a sensor that unlocks it. Mm. Um, and the way it works is it, it, it detects a change in temperature in the air. And if it detects a change in temperature, then it unlocks the door and then you can open it. So it was one of these sensors. Uh, so the way one cool trick to bypass that is with a can of computer duster. Of what? So you hold the can of computer duster. Computer duster. Yeah, so what you do is the, there's a liquid inside that computer duster that's very cold, right? It's been mm. pressurized. Um, that's how you get the liquid. And the, when the liquid expands very rapidly, that's what uh, drops the temperature. It makes it so cold. And so all that, you grab uh, a can of computer duster, you point it at the sensor, you spray it. The sensor detects a change of temperature, unlocks the door, and you go. <laughs> this is like uh, some proper Mission Impossible shit, bro. It was so cool, man. And and yeah, anyways, a long story short, man, we got like we got in their network. Uh, we put we implanted two devices in the network that we could access once we left the building. Um, and the guy wanted us. He's like, okay, one or two times, okay, it's done. We got access to it. We got everything again. Um, Bill billions of dollars guys, that these guys manage, right? That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> are you ever tempted to just be like, well, fuck it, I'm just gonna go live in an island somewhere? <laughs> for sure man that's yeah when you get access to that kind of stuff um yeah and it was cool man because the next day the guy wanted us to he's like okay i'm gonna hold a meeting at 11 a.m i want you guys to make it clear that you guys were here so okay we locked out like we attacked the network and we locked everybody out so they called the it support their it company their it company came in they found one of our implants we left two they found one and the guy was so proud. He's like, oh, yeah, we found your implant. I was like, how many did you find? He's like, one. I was like, there's two. <laughs> I was like, we still have access to your network. Um, and But the cool thing is the guy wanted, so he, he held a meeting for everybody and he wanted us to walk into the meeting. Now, he wanted to do that because theoretically, we shouldn't have access to the building. We should not be able to get there. Mm. Like, so, and sure enough, like when we walked in, everybody turned around and looked at us like, how did these guys get in? Like, how did you guys... <laughs> And then he, he like announced that it had been hacked and then he kind of gave the floor to us and we explained everything that happened and people were like, holy crap, like what? That is such <laughs> like a sick whole... story. That is like truly yeah, like I... some Mission Impossible shit, man. Yeah, I think that's been my coolest engagement, man. Like uh, that was that was probably the, the coolest hack, one of the coolest hacks I've done. Yeah, man, that's crazy. I'm, I'm mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking badass. <laughs> but okay, let's, let's scale it back a little bit because probably people listening are going, well, this is fucking amazing. But like, I'm not, you know, a hedge fund manager. I don't own one of the giant banks or these big companies. They're just like your average Joe who's maybe sending dick pics to his missus or his missus is sending nudes to him and they don't want to get hacked. How mm -hmm. can like your average Joe, like you and I, uh, I guess, avoid being hacked by, people like you who don't have our best intentions, uh, who aren't working as professional hackers, who are just hackers who are trying to get into 
you know, our pictures or our emails or our bank accounts. Okay, so the number one easiest way to do that, uh, that we get access, let's say if I want to hack you, Jacques. Mm-hmm. The easiest which, which, way... Which, by the way, you have hacked one of my computers before, just to give people some context. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. The <laughs> um, I forgot about that. I think I saw your password somewhere. <laughs> Come to think about it. <laughs> Night Owl PC. Yep, I remember that. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, brought back memories, didn't it? Um, so the, the number one easiest way we do that, man, is is people reuse the passwords, right? Uh, and that's partly because of these stupid rules that we are actually trying to advise against, where a password has to be eight characters, has to have a capital letter, has to have a symbol, all this stuff. So what that happens, what that does, is it makes you create passwords that are going to be hard to remember. So what you're going to do is you're going to reuse that password across a lot of different things. You're going to use that for your Facebook, for your Instagram, for your iCloud, and probably for some sketchy website you sign up to at some point or other, some sketchy forum, let's say. Mm. What happens? I, as a hacker, um, there's two ways I can do this. I can either, if I really want to get you, I would, I would probably hack one of these companies, like the sketchier one, not Facebook or not any other high-profile ones, because those are very, very, very hard to get into. But one of the sketchy ones, something like um, MySpace is a great example. MySpace, back in the day, they got owned, right? Mm. Um, let's say I hacked MySpace. Mm. Now, once I hack them, I get access to their to all their credentials. And because you are probably reusing that password, then now I have your password, right? Because I got it from their database, and you're reusing that same password everywhere else. So now I then I take that password to your iCloud, I take that password to wherever I want, and I got access to your stuff. Yeah, so right. that's the easiest way to do it. So the way to mitigate that is, I don't want to say use unique passwords because that's unrealistic. I can't tell you to use a unique password for the 500 websites you visit because that's not going to happen. Mm. Um, the easiest way would be to use a password manager. It's kind of the textbook standardized thing that we recommend. I use a password manager mm-hmm. to randomize and save your passwords. That way you only have to remember one very, very secure password, which normally we recommend it to be a passphrase. Mm-hmm. Why a passphrase? Because breaking a password is a game of length. The, the, the more than complexity is the length. The longer the password is, the hard, and it's nearly impossible to break. Uh, and it's exponential. With every character that you have extra, the, the, it's, it's very exponential, mm. the growth of it. So the, the time it takes to crack. So one, why a passphrase? Because a passphrase is something very easy. And what I ask you to do is, Jacques, uh, choose a passphrase that's not a song lyric, that's not a book quote, it's nothing but something you would know. So think of a childhood memory of a funny comment somebody said to you. Yeah, right. That's probably something very easy to remember. And it's going to be over 30 characters long, which is uncrackable. Like, there is no computer power that will be able to crack that password. Right. Um, so I would say use, use, use that. Um, now, the second thing I, w- I would say, if using a password manager is not realistic uh, in your case, is something that I do is I segregate my passwords based on um, importance of the account. Some like my bank accounts definitely have individual passwords. Like, no, I don't share that anywhere else. Um, my emails, your email should be like, probably just as secure as your bank account, if not more. Because if somebody accesses your email, they can reset the password to wherever they want. 
Yeah, you can go to Facebook, forgot my password. Boom, you get a reset link to your email. You can register. Your, like, if somebody gets access to your email, it's game over. Mm. Um, that's so crazy. That's that's crazy because most people, like I was one of them until recently. Like you and I had a conversation the other day, and since I've got into all things crypto, I've I've realized how unsecure my shit is. And like I was one of those people who, with my emails, it would just be the most basic passwords, and I would just leave my emails open on whatever device. I was never really worried and. Now you're basically telling me and anyone listening, like that shit needs to be protected probably more than almost anything. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Your email is it's the keys of the kingdom. Mm. Um, so segregate your passwords, and because I know that remembering a, a individual password for thirty accounts that you have is nearly impossible, um, I would, if you're going to reuse a password, reuse it across low privilege account, low level accounts. So all the sketchy forums or whatever, use like password one two three for all I care. Something that if that gets breached, if that password gets compromised, mm. it's not going to have an impact on any other aspect of your life. Mm. Um, and then yeah, obviously the the other ones protect them a bit more. One way you can check actually, so there's a service online. There's a website that's called haveibeenpooned.com. Have I been what? Pwned. P W N E D. Cool. And I'll link this in the um in the in the in the in the write up below. So if anyone wants to look it up. And basically it's a service that somebody started that whenever some something gets hacked and there's a password database released, um they if you put your email there, it'll tell you if your password's been compromised. Mm. So throw your email that you have on there and it'll tell you, yes, your password exists on this data dump. And then that way you know if your password's out there in the open for somebody to access. Wow. Uh, and I have a lot of these databases and I use them myself. Like I download a lot of these, uh, like uh, a particularly good one is the my fitness pal. I think it is the database It's a very recent hack uh, of a fit of Fitbit devices and stuff like that, that everybody uses. Mm. Uh, so it's, um, if you've ever had one of those devices, Jacques, I, I recommend you, uh, you look at that. I, I haven't, but, uh, but I think maybe Paolo has, so maybe I'll get him to check it out. <laughs> Hundred um, percent. So that's the number. That's the easiest way, man. That's that's the easiest way. Compromise password. That's the best thing you can do for your security. Is um, yeah, segregate your passwords, protect them. So it was, um, it was passphrases if you if you can. So like longer yeah. phrases rather than just single words that are just really nearly impossible to hack. Um, segregating. So basically, that means like anything that's like really. You don't want anyone to get into it. You use specific harder passwords for, and then all of the that's stuff that's below that, like lower tier stuff, we're like, yeah, whatever. You can like look at this. I don't really give a shit. Forums and all that. Exactly. Kind of stuff. Use easy passwords. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, well, I, I don't want to say use easy passwords. That's a very shitty advice from a cybersecurity perspective. <laughs> um, I'm just talking about usable security here. So it's so the problem with with implementing strict security measures is that people find a way around them. That's why it doesn't work. You cannot tell people use alphanumeric password, blah, 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 because people are not going to do it. So you got to implement or suggest security in a way that integrates into their everyday life, mm -hmm. which is why I suggest that, because I think it's unrealistic to ask everybody to choose a unique password for everything. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so I, I don't want to say use an easy password. Ideally, use a password manager, ideally. What is um, a password that, manager, just quickly? Like, what, how does it work? Yeah. So password manager, you can download it as an app. It's a plugin for your computer, but it's basically um, it's a piece of software that ha that stores your credentials and it encrypts them, encrypts mm. them with a master key. Um, so what happens there is 
you don't have to remember your passwords anymore. This little password manager does it all. Mm. Um, and it, like I said, it's encrypted. So if somebody gets a hold of your computer or anything, they can't access it. And a lot of these cases, these password managers don't live anywhere else. So let's say if a, the company gets hacked, the, the passwords aren't there. There's nothing for them to hack. They don't even have access to it. They need to hack your actual long password to be able to get into these passwords. Mm. Um, so it's basically a program that just manages all your passwords um, that you can do. Um, right. which is yeah it's 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 pretty pretty good no it's and the nice. encryption is unbreakable sick and I'll, I'll put all that stuff in the show notes below as well um cool bro i guess last question before we move into the four and one which is a little thing i do at the end of each and every podcast if someone mm-hmm. like let's say there's someone out there who's just like they're just absolutely just frothing at the mouth like i want to get into hacking what is your suggestion? Like, how does someone start getting into hacking? Do they, do they do like the classic thing on the movies and just try and hack Google and maybe get arrested, but maybe get a job? Or is that bad advice and maybe they should try something else? Yeah, I would do that first, man. Um, <laughs> so funnily enough, I, I, I think I have this conversation at least once a month with people um, after they find out what I do. Um, if you want to get into it, I guess you need to start learning uh, but you, you, it's hard, man, because you got to start from ground one, right? Um, which sucks because nobody wants to start with the really boring stuff. When you, the result of all the cool stuff is understanding the building blocks of everything. So hacking is about breaking something, about knowing something well enough to break it. Okay. So in terms, when we apply it to computers, that means if you, if I want to access your computer, Jacques, at home, mm-hmm. if I want to hack your computer okay, I probably need to learn about networks. I need to know what a router is. I need to know the job of a router. I need to know what a DHCP is. I need to know, you need to know a lot of the basic, 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 basic network concepts, which throws a little people off, man, because that's boring. Like, that's dry. I remember even when I was learning, I was like, I don't want to learn this stuff. I I just want to learn how to actually own people, and it's super Mm. boring, but you do need it. Um, Once you start with that, there are other, there are web services. So there's something now called VulnHub, Say it again. Um, VulnHub, V-U-L-N-H-U-B.com, which is an online uh, lab where you can join for free. You have to hack your way into the site, which is pretty interesting. But once you hack your way in, uh, you get access to a network of computers that are intentionally made vulnerable for you to practice. So you connect to this and you now have a playground. It's a bunch of Linux computers, a bunch of Windows computers that are vulnerable in some way that you can practice your hacking on. So now you can practice everything you're, you're learning and you can test mm-hmm. it in this environment. And it goes from like easy boxes to like super hard ones. That's so cool. That, and once you actually get the grasp of it and once you understand what you're doing, uh, if you want a job in it, more than a formal education, I would suggest either doing bug bounties. So yeah, then you start hacking random companies and showing them that you're of value. Mm. But more than that, there are certifications in the industry that are very coveted and very respected. One of them being the OSCP. OSCP. Is, yeah, it's the mo- It's like the golden standard um, for, for hacking. And it's a very, 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 very hard <laughs> certification that culminates. You have 20, the, the final exam is you have 25, 24 hours to hack uh, five computers. And it's hard, man. I, I think I, I finished with like 
20 minutes left. Like, he was non-sleeping, just pounding Red Bulls, kind of what you see in the movie, just trying to hack, like, all these computers, try, mm. try to get it. Um, but these certifications put you, like, when you have them, you'll see a lot of job postings require this, and if mm. you have it, it bumps to the top of the list. Yeah, so right. once you first learn the basics, once you learn the basics, start playing in a lab. Once you're comfortable with it, then um, try to get actual formal certifications, and then, yeah, then you can start applying for jobs. That's sick, man. It's it's really interesting that you um, you suggest going not so much the formal education route, and I think for good reasons there. Like you said at the start, like if you're doing it that way, like you're kind of spending like a bunch of money at these institutions, and the passion kind of isn't really there when you go in that route. As opposed to like when you put yourself in the state of mind where you're smashing red bulls and you're doing these bounty bugs and you're hacking, like you kind of like it feels cool, right? Like you feel like one of those guys in the movies. 100% man and and I've seen some of the programs from these universities and honestly man like we laughed like, we laughed at some of this stuff like um when we see that stuff that we're like how are they even teaching this stuff like it's it's ridiculous like it doesn't work it does it's not realistic mm. um I guess because they may be lost like for example playing with ransomware and stuff like that like I don't know if that's legal I'm sure there's problems with um, with having viruses in your computer that you're attacking people with. So maybe a school can't condone that. Mm. Um, whereas if you play on your own, then you can explore more. You're not bound by anything. You're not bound by a final exam that you have to complete by this date, man. You mm. you do everything at your pace and you do everything that you want. You get to explore more. And hacking is, after all, just about exploring. Yeah, yeah definitely. The, I have a problem with the formal education way. Of, of hacking personally and even some certificates man i had a company so there's another certificate called ceh mm. that bills itself as being like uh yeah, yeah you need the certificate one of the companies i worked for in australia if somebody put that on the resume automatically goes out the window like if you put that certificate <laughs> it's that shitty man that are like yeah you're not working here <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, anyone out there who's looking at that maybe uh maybe don't look yeah. at that anymore <laughs> don't put that in the don't <laughs> awesome bro to yeah. ju- just to give people a little bit of clarity so i remember you saying way earlier on in this podcast that uh when someone was talking to you about the sciences you had to be in it for more than money so obviously money's a motivator and i know you i know that money's a motivator to you and actually you you've kind of changed my mind a little bit of, on money over the years which i bet you're pumped about <laughs> i can see your ego just you're just ready to 100%, attack. 100%. <laughs> can you repeat that <laughs> what <laughs> anyway anyway so for someone out there who's thinking okay cool like this sounds awesome like I love like figuring out puzzles. I want to get into this hacking world, but they're like, all right, so how much do you make? Like, is it worth me doing this or am I just better off staying in whatever other job I'm doing that I also maybe like, what's the kind of pay like entry level as a hacker and what's the kind of progression in terms of what you can make? Obviously legally without taking. Mm, Okay. So the highest salary that I've heard of, um, was in New York working for Bloomberg. I think I have a friend that was going through the interview process. And the total compensation, this is living in New York, so you got to take into account the living cost is high. But the total compensation for a senior level, which is where, or where I am, was about uh, three or 400,000 USD per year. Wow. Which is like, like you take that in Australia, that's what, like 600, 700,000? Yeah. Um, 600 probably, which is, plenty to live like <laughs> very comfortably mm. um on the low spectrum of things um when you're off like under you know off college kind of entry level junior apprentice kind of thing 
you'd be looking at under a hundred k Australian, I think, maybe sixty to seventy k Australian, maybe. Which is um, still this pretty is from decent entry level. Like that's still pretty decent. Like sixty to seventy k to be doing something that's you you get to hack people's computers. Like that's pretty badass. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude, the job is a dream. Like yeah, I um, actually before we we uh, so actually yeah so. It, you're looking at a range anywhere between that. And it depends on the kind of company you work for. Um, I would recommend consultancies just because the variety of the job is a lot more fun. Personally, that's what I enjoy. Um, but all the, before I get into that, the job does suck sometimes, man. Like for the price we pay to not go to jail for what we do is basically we have to write reports. And that sucks, man. Like writing reports, is it's like, it sucks. There are times also like, yeah, I've told you stories about super cool hacks and, and stuff that I've done. Mm. But there's a lot of times when I'm staring at a screen for a week, not doing anything, man, clicking on random things, trying to figure out what's going on. And all that to end saying, yeah, I, I have no idea what's going on. Mm. Like All that to say, no idea. So yes, there are super cool jobs, super cool engagements. But I would say like, and you also don't always get in. That's a common misconception. I think that People think because you're a hacker and you, you're you always hacking and getting into computers. That's not the case. Man. In mm. fact, I would say you get into a system less than 50% of the time. Yeah, right. It's yeah. when you succeed. So a lot of the job is like boring as shit, man. <laughs> like a lot of the job is just like if you don't enjoy it, you you, you would not be happy with it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think but, that's a really, yeah, I yeah. think that's the, that's the really important point there, right? Like you actually really love what you do. So you are prepared for like the boring times and the times you can't get in or the hacks fail because you actually just enjoy the job. So if you're sitting there going, oh, sick, I want to be, you know, another anonymous crew or like some something along those lines, like maybe just take a rain check on that and realize that, you know, 50% of the time you're going to be sitting there with Red Bulls going, fuck, I can't get into the system. Yeah, dude, and then and that's, I think, why it's important to like it because even there are some stuff when you you just – kind of get a nag like you know you know from experience something's not right here it's just kind of like a feeling mm. and you have to keep throwing stuff at it for many days you know and you have to obsess over it sometimes for nothing you don't get it and sometimes you do get it but if you don't like it you're not going to spend 20 hours in a day popping red bulls popping pills looking at this thing trying to figure it out it's very hard to stay motivated if you don't really like it mm. Yeah, good, good way to end that one there. Cool, bro. Well, that was like super insightful. Um, I told you the other yeah. day when we were chatting that like I like I don't want to get into hacking, but I do want to understand coding and that kind of thing, which is something I, I don't think I ever would have thought of if I hadn't met you. So uh, yeah, I value your friendship, bro. So thanks. Thanks for being my friend, yeah. David. <laughs> thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's cool. Good. It was good. Let's, um, let's move into the four and one. So basically the way this works is I ask you four questions. Uh, and then you get to ask me one. With your one question, I would ask, I should have told you this before the podcast, but maybe just don't ask uh, why I do the podcast because everyone seems to ask that. And I think people are getting bored of the same answer over and over again. Ooh, okay. All right. You, all right. you, can, you can think about it while I'm, while I'm asking you the questions anyway. So first one, what would your dream hack be? So the, the hack that you haven't done, but that you really, really want to do. It would be a red team engagement for sure. A proper red team engagement. Um, a proper red team engagement on a military facility, probably. That's fucking badass. <laughs> any any particular military facility? Area 51, maybe? Find out if the aliens exist. 
Uh, maybe, maybe. I actually I have read stories, man, about people that are like doing rhythm engagements and that, you know, they end up with like at military facilities where they get caught and you end up with like, you know, an M16 kind of pointed at your head with some dude like about to pull the trigger. That is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But also but, kind of exciting. 100%, man. 100%. I think yeah, that, yeah. that's probably my dream one. Yeah, sick, man. Cool. Uh, the next one you've already answered. I was going to ask the best hack you have done to date. So maybe instead I'll ask the best hacker that I guess is your kind of number one mentor. Is, is that such a thing in the hacking world? Like, I, I don't yes, know. Yes, there is definitely, man. And uh, actually that's a reason when I meet somebody that wants to hack, um, I offer to help them as much as I can because when I was learning, I never had a mentor. Um, and they obviously make it a lot easier. So the best mentor... The, oh, there's a lot of hackers I respect, man. Um, but I think most of all, there's a hacker that now, I worked with him in Australia. Um, and the thing about him, he's very down to earth, man. Very humble. Um, but the dude was an absolute monster behind a keyboard, man. Like when seeing him hack was just like, yeah, it was always like, he always got in. Like, we're like, how the hell do you always guess passwords? How do you always get into a system? Like, he was, and what I liked about him was very humble. Mm. Um, he wasn't, you know, cocky or flashy or whatever. He's just this regular dude, man. That's the nicest guy ever. Uh, and technically, he's very, very skilled. So, mm. um, his handle, so it, with hacking, we go by handles. Mm -hmm. So, his handle's in its string. In its string. Is that like, does he have an Instagram for that or anything? Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Twitter. Oh, right. So that's actually his Twitter handle as well as his hacking I think handle. Image string, yeah. Cool. You can send that to me after. I'll put it in the show notes. People can yeah. see what a, a top-level hacker does. And obviously, <laughs> they'll, they'll have your details as well. They can follow you. And maybe here's a challenge for anyone listening and you're wanting into hacking. Try and hack David. That would make <laughs> my day if you hack David. Yeah, let's not do that, man. I made the mistake of... Uh... I think one of my buddies at work tricked me into clicking on a link once and they basically gave him like my IP address and I had to spend like an afternoon just like securing my network against this dude. So not fun when you're on the defending side of things, man. Oh, really? Ah, oh. oh, that's funny that. Cool, bro. Next, uh, next question. Obviously you see a lot of Wi-Fi names uh, in, in your job, right? Like you have to hack people's sort of Wi-Fi accounts, that kind of thing. Is that kind of a correct assumption? Mm -hmm. So, what's the Wi-Fi? Yeah, we, we have Wi-Fi. So, what's like, what's the like the strangest, the best, the funniest Wi-Fi name that you've seen, or maybe even password? Now, so a lot of the stuff, the the Wi-Fi names are the. I mostly move in corporate environments, right? So you're not gonna see anything um, bad there. Uh, password, there was one password that was super funny. I, I think I made a post about it once because it was like the guy's password was my genius. Like kind of playing to his ego and I'm like, my genius yet I just popped your entire network because of your password. <laughs> so, Alright, that's, that's, that's almost good. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of super funny like network rules like to moderate what people are searching for. And it was a particular one that had every kind of sexual act you could possibly think of. Um, like because they wanted to prevent people from looking up at, at porn uh, from corporate offices, which is a little weird, but all right. Um, and dude, it was like stuff like bestiality, freaking like donkey dick. Like it was just like the most comprehensive list of like sexual things. I remember reading through it. I was like, 
what are these people looking for? Like, where do you even get the imagination to put these things together, man? Uh, but yeah, I had a good laugh with that one, so. That's amazing. Cool. Last one for you, bro, and then you get one for me. Um, so this can be as weird and wonderful as you want it to be, but in one sentence, how would you describe the internet? Hmm. I had a lot of ways to go with this one. <laughs> um, Mate, this is unrated. There's no kids listening to this, so you know, you <laughs> whatever you want to do, but let's not get too weird here, right? Uh, I want to sleep tonight, David. How would I describe the internet with one sentence? Um, the first one that came to mind for whatever reason, kind of boring, but a shit show. Yeah. Yeah, it kind <laughs> of is. No one really controls anything. No, man. It's like the wild, wild west, I guess. Like, stepping out on the internet. Like, okay, so the way I see it is, the reason I said shit show and the kind of wild, wild west is because when you're on the internet at home, or from your mobile device, you're protected against all the bad stuff. At home, you're behind your router, which so, so to somebody access you, they have to hack your router. If you want to see how bad it is, plug the cable from your router directly into your computer, and now you're actually on the internet. Now you're not you're not saved by anything. Now you are stepping out on the street in like South Central, you know, at three in the morning, shouting racist remarks kind of thing. Like you are, you know, that's so when I think of the internet that way, so yeah, nobody plugs the internet directly into the internet, man, because it's, if it's not properly secured, you're in trouble. Yeah, right. That's interesting. It's like a ghetto, I guess, in that sense. <laughs> so if, if someone is plugging the, like the cable straight into their computer, that's, that's kind of a bad thing into the route and behind on not into the router so the router is the one that saves you mm. so the if you expose it so you connect it behind the router so in the wan what we call a wide area network um if you connect it on that that's when you're actually yeah in the internet uh, yeah man it's it's when you're exposed to everything i guess mm. um not your router it's outside of your router mm. and where do you see the internet going like this i like i have heard some crazy predictions of where the internet is going and with people like Elon Musk and um, Neuralink and like AI and all these crazy developments in quantum computing, like more and more it kind of makes me think like humans are going to just become part of the internet one day. Like, do you, do you see that? So it's not so much, I don't think where the internet is going because the internet itself, if you were thinking about internet the technology, I don't think that's, I mean, it'll advance, but I think what's more interesting to think is with IoT, so with all the devices that we're coming up with that are connected to the internet. So what applications we can use the internet for? Um, so Neuralink, you just gave an excellent example, man. Imagine if a brain, a chip you have in your brain is connected to the internet, and now I can actually attack it. Mm. Like there's, there's, there's a few years ago, there was a, a guy that demonstrated an attack where he hacked the car wirelessly, man. From his computer, he hacked the Jeep, took over the steering, the brakes, accelerator, everything mm. um, from his computer. You can hack planes through that, man. Mm. Like it's, I don't think it's a question of where the internet is going, but what the stuff connected, what we connected the internet, mm. I think it's what's going to make it very interesting. Yeah. So if we connect ourselves to the internet, theoretically, someone's probably going to be able to figure out how to hack you and control you. 100%. That's fucking 100%. crazy. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> All right. Um, question for you. Let me. This one's. Let's see. Let's see how I can expose you in your podcast. Let me give me a second here. <laughs> what a guy. 
What a guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I wish you had given me a heads up on this one, man. I no, I totally forgot. I'm kind of actually glad I did because you would have asked something totally fucked up. 100%, man. That's, <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. Um, huh. I can only think of one boring one now, man. Like, uh, you're unfortunate. But I guess it's along the same line of who of when you asked me who my favorite hacker was is what what kind of podcast do you listen to why not why you podcast but what kind and who specifically is like your your idol i guess mm-hmm. yeah cool that's a good question actually um i would say like there's definitely a few people uh joe rogan has got to be one like joe rogan experience is like unbelievable the is fact it that good yeah Dude, Joe Rogan. I've never listened to it, so. It's so it's just it's unbelievable that you have a man, one man, who is able to be completely himself without any filters and without anyone controlling him, and he has bigger reach than any of the big media and news companies in the world. And a lot of the times those news and media companies put together. It's crazy that free speech can exist on his podcast in that way. It's 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 kind of a beautiful thing. It's like a little it's like a little I think of it like a little a little pool and like a raging inferno of just all this craziness on the internet where Joe Rogan's just like, yeah, like I'm a stupid idiot, but like, I love to have conversations and we can talk about whatever the fuck you want. You know what? Hey, let's smoke a joint, Elon Musk. Like, why not? <laughs> it's unreal. It's unreal. So he's definitely one. And then a totally different one would be someone like Jay Shetty. Who's like, obviously, you know, like I'm into my meditation. I'm into my, like, uh, I guess stillness. And he spent two years as a monk and then, basically came out of that and decided to get into business. And he now has like number one health podcast in the world. And he just shares like a lot of really good messages on there. He'd be actually one of my dream guests to have him on the show. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the answer to your question. Um, one more. I'll follow up on that one. Oh. You mentioned becoming a monk. Uh, the guy became a monk. Is that something you'd ever consider doing? And if not, why not? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. Uh, at this stage of my life, no, uh, I would say in the next decade, it's something I would like to do for a period of time, maybe three to six months. I wouldn't want to commit to years and years, um, but I, I would definitely like to do that. 100%. Like with a vow of silence and everything? Yeah, well, I mean, I did a silent week of meditation. I think I told you about it. Um, <laughs> and that was a really powerful experience. So do I want to explore it more? Hell yeah. Like I, I would love to. Interesting, man. Interesting. You know, you're going to have to shave off your curls if you go into a monastery. Yeah, I'll get Paolo to shave my head and leave fucking cuts and shit. <laughs> <laughs> cool, bro. Uh, hey, um, sorry, man. man, that's that's pretty much the end of the podcast. Anything else you want to leave? Uh, any any notes of wisdom for people out there, especially in, in regards to hacking? Um, no, man. I mean, if anybody's ever curious about uh, learning more about it, hit me up. Like I said, I'm... I'm, I'm I like showing people and teaching people as much as I can about this stuff, um, and especially if it's somebody that wants to get into it. Um, and where, so, where, can, yeah. uh, where can people get a hold of you if they if they do want to learn a little bit more, or they just want to follow your stuff? Is it Instagram or where else? I'm not very active anywhere, really, man. Um, and I guess professionally, um, I ha- uh, have a GitHub account that's Shadow. Well, I can send you all the stuff. Yeah. My handle is Shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, is how you usually find me. I have a blog that I update somewhat periodically about some cool hacks. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I can send you my proton email as well. If anybody wants to send me a shoot me mail there, I'll, I'll I can link it to you. Too easy, man. Yeah, I'll grab all those details. And for anyone who's interested, I'll, I'll probably grab your Instagram as well, so people can see kind of you know what you do in your spare time. Because you also do a, a lot of other really cool shit, like you skydive and you fall off rock walls and end up having to get looked after <laughs> by one of your good mates. <laughs> uh, so awesome. I'll, I'll leave I'll leave all those details um, in the in the write up below. If anyone does want to get a hold of David. But thanks, bro. This has been fucking amazing. And I'm actually really pumped that we finally did this because we've talked about doing this for a, a long time. For so long. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, bro. Dude, man. Well, thanks for having me, my friend. And uh, we'll chat soon, man.